Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. What a wonderful reminder. We all need him. We all need him. And when we have him, we have all we will ever need. Uh, that's the beauty of resting in his goodness and resting in his love. So good to be back with you today. And uh, thanks to many of you for your prayers over the last couple of weeks. I was so sad that I missed uh, my good friend, Dr. Yuan. But... Uh, so, so thankful for the wonderful ministry that he had a couple of weeks ago. And you continue to pray for him. Keep on praying for his father, uh, Leon, who is still recovering from uh, being hospitalized. And uh, I've made a personal uh, commitment to uh, Dr. Yuan to pray for him every single day. Uh, he has, a, he has a, a big target on his back. He's one of the few uh, men of God that uh, can present... Uh, a biblical uh, a basis for uh, purity uh, and for holiness. And uh, I trust that you'll be praying for him on a regular basis. And uh, again, I want to thank uh, Pastor Kevin for speaking last week. Uh, Sandy and I took a few days off. And I want to thank you for your prayers for us uh, <laughs> I guess I'm getting old and I can't d differentiate between the stairwell and the bathroom. But uh, anyway, we, uh, uh, we're over at the Mission House and I've had this meeting every Thursday morning. I'm up at 6 o'clock. It's usually dark. And, and uh, that particular morning, uh, I thought I'd left the light on in the kitchen. It was so bright. Walked out into the kitchen. I did fine. Walked out in the kitchen and it was a moon. It was a full moon, a beautiful full moon. And, uh, and then I just walked back and stepped into what I thought was the bathroom. It was the stairwell. Stepped into a black hole and went down about 10 steps. And, uh, uh, you know, good thing is I had no broken bones. My shoulder is still sore and I've got a club foot. But other than that, well, I'm able to survive. So thanks for your prayers, no broken bones. But uh, let me tell you, what doesn't hurt doesn't work. And uh, so anyway, it's kind of kind of the way it is right now. But uh, anyway, God's been good to us. And, and uh, thank you so much for your prayers eh? and your notes of encouragement. You've been very gracious. And we're so glad that Pastor Tim is here. Uh, I was able to introduce him in the 9 o'clock service. He's over at Sacred Ground right now. They're introducing him as well. But so thankful that Pastor Tim has been able to be here all week. Uh, he'll be here f for a few days next week and then go back to Kansas City to be with uh, Misty and the family as they get packed up and uh, uh, relocate here. Thank the Lord their home in Kansas City is sold. They were able to find a home here in Chesterton. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a miracle. It, it really is. Uh, when you take a look at how tight the housing market has been here, that uh, God provided a home for them. So be praying for them as they uh, transition. He's already been meeting with the uh, preaching team uh, this past weekend he met with the 
the uh, senior leadership team and the elders. They had a wonderful two-day uh, time of planning and praying and looking to the future. And uh, so please be much in prayer for the Spanbergs as they uh, transition. Uh, let me tell you, it's, it's, it's uh, when you have a young family, I remember when Sandy and I transitioned from Illinois to California, and our girls were about the same age as, as Tim's were, or Tim's are, <laughs> let's put it that way. And uh, it's, 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 it's a stretch. And uh, so anyway, be praying for them that the Lord will bring them here safely and that God will prepare our hearts as we've been praying as well as Tim's heart as he uh, begins his ministry with us. Now, this morning we want to begin a new series of messages on uh, pursuing God in prayer. Uh, I believe that Tim is a direct answer to prayer and I believe that uh, prayer is one of the key core values that we have as a church family. In fact, of the three key values, we are pursuing God, we are loving one another, and we are reaching beyond. But one of the ways in which we pursue God is through prayer. And I, 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 I always hesitate to even talk on prayer because we've heard it so often that sometimes it kind of goes in one ear and out the other ear. But I am convinced as I have meditated and studied on this passage over the last number of days that, that uh, this is a prayer, this prayer in Ephesians chapter uh, 3 beginning at verse 14 to 21. Please turn to that passage. Uh, we're going to be sticking to that very uh, tightly this morning. This is a prayer that all of us need to pray. Uh, if you ever go through a period of spiritual dryness in your life and you don't know what to pray for, uh, these are the petitions that I believe we need to be praying for. Uh, this is a model prayer. This is probably one of the most important prayers that you will ever read in the Word of God. Uh, and I believe God has something very special for us uh, from His Word today. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts to God's truth. Father in heaven, we come before you today with thanksgiving. And we praise you and thank you for your goodness and your greatness. You, Lord, you are great. You're greatly to be praised. And Lord, as we have remembered our veterans, we are so thankful for everyone that's part of the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you placed us in this community to be salt and light. You've brought us here today so that we could be encouraged and reinvigorated in our faith and uh, develop a, a deeper and a closer walk with you. So speak to us now from your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Connecting with God in prayer, I believe, is life-changing. Let me repeat that. Connecting with God in prayer is life-changing. Herb Miller, in his book, The Vital Connection, puts it this way, quote, Prayer is the best way to make the right connection. Prayer opens the door that lets the mind of God into our thinking and behavior. Insights, rational thinking, and fine-tuned methods are important, but without a connection with God through prayer, our church can become an expensive, solar-powered watch into which someone forgot to put the energy cell. We have a lot going on, but it doesn't get us anywhere. Unquote. Prayer is the lifeblood of the church. Prayer is what energizes the church 
to attempt great things for God and to accomplish great things for God. And I believe all of us, no matter how long we have known the Lord Jesus as our Savior, we all need help when it comes to our prayer life. Several years ago, Home and Garden Magazine did a survey, not necessarily just to Christians, but uh, kind of a national survey. And the question was this, uh, to whom do you turn when you are facing a, a, a difficulty or uh, an unanticipated uh, trouble? To whom do you turn? Almost 70% of these, many of whom were non-Christians, said that they turned to God in prayer. Isn't it interesting that we kick prayer out of the schools, but when it comes to actually facing the dilemmas of life over which many times we have no control, the first person we turn to is God, and we do so in prayer. I've had the opportunity many times to talk to neighbors or talk to people who don't know Jesus Christ, and they're facing a problem, facing a difficulty, and I just say, would you mind if I prayed for you? I've never had anyone say, oh, no, no, I don't want you to pray for me. Prayer is something that people can, can relate to. And my greatest fear is that we in the family of God were so accustomed to prayer that we do not realize the power that is in prayer when we connect with God. Uh, I, I think that so many times we just kind of go through a rote recitation. Uh, we pray the same thing over and over again, but we do not pray with our heart in our prayers. And I believe that this is something that I need uh, to be reminded of, and I think that all of us as the people of God need to be reminded of the power, the energy that comes to our lives as we connect with the living God. It's interesting that the average layman spends about four minutes in prayer across the board. The average pastor only spends about three minutes more, about seven minutes in prayer. Can it be that our lack of prayerfulness <clears throat> has contributed many times uh, to our own uh, demise, our own spiritual disappointment, simply because we have not learned uh, the secret of bringing everything to God in prayer. And one of the reasons I feel that we take <clears throat> prayer for granted is that we take God for granted. When we are not taken up with the greatness of who God is and we forget all that he has done for us, our prayer life will languish. I believe that the more God-centered we are in our thinking, uh, the more we are captured by the incredible awesomeness of God who wants to release his power to us. And he's already done so in accomplishing so much for us that we can never do for ourselves until we are passionate and knowing and loving God and being mindful of all that he has done for us. There will not be any urgency in our prayer life. It's interesting, as the Apostle Paul begins to unpack this to us this morning, he helps us to be reminded that the reason why he kneels before the Father is because he is aware of who the Father is, 
and of all that the Father has accomplished for him. You see, prayer and Christianity, it's, it's the nurturing of a relationship. I think we tend to forget this. Uh, prayer is, is just simply talking to God. God speaks to us from his word. That's why it's important to balance. We need to listen to God, but we need then to verbalize that which God has laid on our hearts to him. But it is a, a relationship. Uh, and you can't have a relationship when the only time you talk to God is when you're in trouble or when you're in a, a tight situation or you're stressed out and you feel, God, help. There needs to be a nurturing, a, a nurturing of the relationship where we we get alone with God and, and, and begin to understand something of who he is and what he has accomplished for us. And it's very interesting that, that Paul makes this very clear when he begins in verse 14 to say, for this reason I bow my knees. Now what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about everything that he's already explained to the Ephesians about God and about everything that God has done for them. And let's just take a look at this uh, very quickly. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, we've been made alive in Christ. We've been saved by grace. Verse 6, we've been seated with Christ in heavenly realms. Verse 10, we've been created in Christ for good works. Verse 13, we've been brought near to God through the blood of Christ. Verse 16, we've been reconciled to Christ. Verse 18, we have access directly to the Father through the merits of Christ. Verse 19, we are presently fellow citizens with the people of God. Verse 22, we are the dwelling place of God. The Holy Spirit resides within us. Chapter 3, verse 12, we have freedom and bold confidence to approach the Father because of the finished work of Christ. It is because of who God is and what he has done for us. That is the incentive to bow our knees before the Father. And when we are not aware of who God is and God is a remote part of our lives and the only time we turn to him is when we're in trouble and we're not nurturing a relationship with him, our prayer life is going to take a hit. And that's why I believe it's so important for us to understand that, that prayer is, is just simply talking and relating and loving and leaning into God and allowing him to become our all in and all as we bow our lives before him. Now, it's very interesting that he gives us four life-changing petitions. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But he begins by focusing upon the Father. We are to pray to the Father through Christ the Son. We're to pray in the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 14 and 15, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, that family, that word family could also be translated fatherhood. He is the one who is the great creator. He is the original. Every other father is a copy of our heavenly father. Believers are called sons of God by rebirth. All men and women are not children of God by nature. They are children of God by virtue of their faith in Jesus as their Savior. See, the Bible does not teach the universal fatherhood of man. 
God is the Father of all that He has created, but He is only the Father to those who have put their personal faith and their trust in Him. The Bible does not teach this universal fatherhood of God that many uh, false teachers and New Age religion, religious systems teach. Now when our focus is upon God as our Father, we'll be able to acknowledge our spiritual deficiencies. All of us have spiritual deficiencies. All of us stand in need of a touch from God. There's not a person here this morning that does not need a fresh touch from the living God. We are all candidates for His love and His goodness. And we need His supernatural resources if we are to fight off the attacks of the enemy and to live our lives with joy uh, in the presence of our King. Now, the first petition is simply this. Paul encourages us for weakness. We need to pray for strength. Look at verse 16. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Paul acknowledges the fact that all of us as human beings are weak. We are prone to error. We are prone to failure. We mess up. We say we're going to do something God's way and we end up doing it our way. He knows our weaknesses. The Bible says he remembers that we are dust. He understands the frailty of the human heart and of our human lives. And so, in acknowledging the fact that we are all weak and we experience human weaknesses because of our humanity, Paul prays that we would exchange our human weakness for God's inner strength. And this needs to be something that is on our personal prayer agenda as well. Each day we need to ask God to make up for our weaknesses by giving us His supernatural strength. Notice in our inner being. Our inner being is that part that only God sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And He is encouraging the Ephesians to pray that they would be strengthened in their inner being, that part that only God sees, that part that, that is so important that it's nourished and strengthened as we daily seek His face in prayer. And He's asking the Ephesians to pray that God would fortify us, that He would brace us and invigorate us in the realm of our inner being. You see, it's that inner being that was made alive when by faith we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pass from death unto life when we embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He's transformed us from the inside out. He's made us brand new from the inside out. He's changed our inner being. And now Paul is encouraging uh, those of us who have experienced this wonderful transformation that we would daily ask God to keep on strengthening us in our inner being, that we would be renewed and revitalized. You see, our, our physical bodies are, are prone to decay. I mean, the older we get, you know, the wrinkles come. And, uh, you know, we start to sag one way or the other. And what doesn't hurt doesn't work. And everything is out of whack. 
and uh, we have to watch our step. I mean, I never used to have to watch my step coming up here to the, to the platform. Now I have to watch every step. It's really interesting. This old body is decaying. I was not made to live forever. None of us are. This old body is, is fading away, but, but he says that our inner, our inner man is being renewed daily. And we need to be praying that God would strengthen us in our inner being so that we can stand tall for Jesus, though we live in a world that has basically uh, forgotten all about him. 2 Corinthians 4.16 puts it this way, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And it is because of this reality that Paul pleads with the Ephesians to ask God to strengthen them in the realm of their inner being to overcome our human weaknesses and to fight off the temptations that, that Satan uh, puts in our pathway every single day. The enemy always knows our weakness. The only way to overcome our weakness is to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power in the inner man. We need that inner empowering strength, not only of the Lord Jesus, but also of the Holy Spirit. Now notice, this prayer for inner strength is in proportion, notice, to the riches of God's glory. Notice. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with all power through his spirit in the inner man. This is a powerful statement. He doesn't give to us this power out of his riches, but according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain the difference here. When you meet a billionaire someday and he gives you 10 bucks, he's given to you out of his riches. But that same billionaire, if he gave you a million dollars, would be giving you according to his riches. In the first place, you've been a recipient of a portion of his riches, but in the second instance, you have received a much greater gift because it is in proportion to the resources that the billionaire himself has at his disposal. And so he is praying here that we be filled according to all the resources, all the richness of the, the glory of God, the Spirit of God. He wants us to experience all of that as we acknowledge our weaknesses and we turn away from our weaknesses and we ask God to empower us in our innermost being. Now, he goes on to say that <clears throat> this strength uh, comes with power through his spirit. In other words, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is resident within us. And it's the Spirit of God that teaches us. It's the Spirit of God that helps us to understand the Scriptures. It's the Spirit of God that raises up a standard against the enemy. So we are encouraged to to pray to be strengthened according to all the resources of God himself plus the resources of the Holy Spirit. And as we continue to look at this in detail, this, this power, this strength that we are to be praying for is really resurrection power. If you look over at chapter 1 and verses 19 and 20, you see there's a direct parallel here. 
Verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, there it is again, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. This power that we are to be praying for, this strength that comes as we turn away from our weaknesses and lean in, into the power of according to his riches and glory, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of a resurrected Lord. Notice also that text, Jesus sat down. His work is finished. There's not anything that we can add to the finished work of Christ. And so we as God's people, instead of being conscious of our weaknesses all the time, we need to be, be praying that that our weaknesses would be minimized and the strengthening power of a resurrected Christ would be the source of our strength, that he would be the source of our life and that we would not be controlled by our weaknesses to the contrary that we are under the control of his Holy Spirit who is strengthening us daily to live a life that pleases him. Number two. For shallowness, we need to pray for depth. You see this in verse 17. Notice, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, for weakness, we're to pray for strength. Now, for shallowness, we are to pray for spiritual depth and dimension. Notice how he says, he says, so that Christ may dwell. Put a circle around the word dwell. It's a key word. He wants Christ to dwell in their hearts, to be aware of the awesomeness and the inclusiveness of Christ's love. Now, there are going to be times when we go through spiritual dryness. There's going to be times when it seems like the Scriptures don't mean a whole, it's hard for us to even make a connection with God. Well, during those times of, of, of shallowness and spiritual dryness, we need to pray that God would, would really come to settle down and stay in our hearts. That's what the word dwell means. The word dwell is a domestic word, descriptive of finality. And he is praying that the Ephesians would not just know Christ, you know, intellectually, but they would come to know him to the degree that he settles down and he stays. He feels at home in their hearts. Now, obviously, Christ is already resident in the hearts and lives of the Ephesians because he calls them saints in chapter 1 and verse 1. He says to all the saints that are in Ephesus, well, he, he, these people have a relation, they have a connection, but, but he wants that connection that they have to go deeper. Uh, he, he doesn't want them to stay spiritual status quo. He, he, his prayer is that, that if there's any indication of spiritual shallowness, that, that that would be replaced with an unquenchable desire to grow deep and to dwell and to settle in the love of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a big difference between looking for lodging and look, looking for a place of residence. When you're looking for lodging, you just kind of uh, look for a place to stay a night or two. But when you are looking for a residence, 
I mean, it's a whole new ball game. I mean, you're looking for a place where you can settle in, your family can settle in, where you can feel at home, where you can kick off your shoes and, and go into that easy, uh, you know, recliner and just relax and be yourself. I mean, it's a whole different... Th- there's a world of difference when you're lodging as when you're residing, isn't there? Goodness sakes. You know, you can stay in a motel for a couple of nights, man, that's crazy. You long to, to get what? You long to get home. You long to be able to settle into something that <clears throat> just feels good. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to be praying that your hearts through faith that you would dwell, that Christ would feel so much at home in your hearts that there's nothing between you and the Savior. There's no unfinished business. Uh, You have no regrets. There's nothing in your life that would cause Christ to feel uneasy. He's, He's praying that they would just feel so at home with Jesus, they just settle into him. That's what it means, to dwell, that Christ may settle in and dwell in your hearts through faith. But he goes on. He says in verse uh, 17, by praying that they not only settle into Christ, but that they be rooted in love. And that word root is a botanical term and carries with it the idea of being firmly planted, securely settled, or well-rooted. He wants their roots to go down deep into the love of God. He wants them to experience dimensions of his love that they've never, ever known before. You see, rootage always determines the footage. That's true? Your roots go down deep, you're going to have a wonderful tree that's a a well-watered tree, a healthy tree that can withstand all the elements of nature, whatever nature throws against it. Why? Because its roots go down deep. You know, when we lived in uh, Florida for a number of years. I went through four hurricanes the first two years we were there. And, uh, I mean, these, these, one of these huge palm trees, they have no roots. And doink, 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 doink. I mean, they just go because there's no rootage. You see, and he's praying here that, that their love for Jesus would, would be so great that it could withstand all the, the storms that the enemy throws at them, that they would go down deep, their love for Jesus would be rooted in his love. And then he goes on to say that they would be grounded in love. Grounded in love. Here's an architectural term uh, to drive Homie's point. They not only must be praying that they be like a well-rooted tree, but like a well-built building whose footings, whose foundation is so strong that it determines how high that building can go. Again, the foundation is absolutely critical. And so he is praying. He is saying, I want you to be so in love with Jesus. I want you to be so at home. I want you to settle into him. And, and, and I want you to go deep into his love and experience the love that is deep and rich and will strengthen you and will help you to stand no matter what the enemy throws at you. What an incredible petition to be praying for. That we would experience depth in our Christian life. That we would not be content with shallow Christian living any longer. But that our roots would go deep into the love of God. And then number three, for short-sightedness, 
he encourages the, uh, the Ephesians to pray for perspective. Now, for weakness, he prays for strength. For shallowness, he prays for depth. And now for short-sightedness or narrowness of vision, Paul prays for divine perspective. I have a, a, <coughs> a belief that as we continue to race fast forward into this 21st century, one of the greatest needs the church has is to see things from God's point of view. To see things from His perspective. There are so many voices that are screaming for our attention. And many of those voices are not good voices. There are forces, voices that distract us and turn us away from God. But in the 21st century, what is needed by God's people more than anything else is this wonderful ability to see things from His perspective instead of being controlled by the tyranny of the urgent and that which is eternally insignificant. Our minds can be so distracted. It's amazing. COVID has really done a job on us. It's distracted so many of us. Uh, we've gone through this period time, uh, of life in, distracted and, and angry, and it, it, it has completely, our, our, our perspective of God has been, has been shaded by everything that's happened to us. And here he prays that, that we would somehow begin to wrap our arms around the love of God that is so rich and so incomprehensible that it would shape our perspectives and change the way we look at things. Now look what he says. Verse 18 may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, just stop and think about this. He wants us to know the height, the width, the depth of this amazing love of God he wants us to comprehend something that he says surpasses human knowledge. Now, just stop and think about this. Do you realize that in 2021, we are experiencing a knowledge, a human knowledge explosion that mankind has never seen before? Knowledge is exploding like crazy. What does the text say? He wants us to wrap our arms around this incredible love of God that is beyond human understanding. That tells you how big, how wide, how, how broad and wonderful the love of God is. I, this blows my mind. God's love is so beyond us, and yet we are to keep on grasping more and more and more of His love, even though we know we will never be able to exhaust the riches the magnitude, the bigness of this incredible love that God has for us. It's very interesting. Very interesting. He wants us to see things from His perspective. Christ's love is beyond us. 
It's infinitely greater and more vast than we could ever imagine. And yet there are oceans of his love that we have not yet experienced. Because it is so wide and so deep and so broad and so all-encompassing. And yet that exhaustless love is what gives us a divine perspective. Today we rejoice in his love. Tomorrow we are candidates for more and more of his love. You can never exhaust the love of God. How many times do we go through life feeling unloved? That God has abandoned us, that he's forsaken us, that he somehow has lost track of what's going on in our lives and we get mad at God. That's why we need to start seeing things from his point of view. He is a God whose love for us is measureless. You cannot contain it. It is uncontainable. It is unfathomable. And yet it's real. (laughs) To see things from his point of view, man, it changes everything. And then his last petition is for emptiness. We need to pray for fullness. Notice that you may be filled, verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. For weakness, he prays for strength. For shallowness, he prays for depth. For short-sightedness, he prays for perspective. And now for emptiness, he prays for fullness. He is not content with a half cup of God. He wants to experience the power of his presence, the joy of his presence every single day. He wants to be filled to the rim with God. Notice Ephesians 1.23. Speaking of Christ, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul's desire for the church and he wants them to pray that they would be so full of the presence of Jesus that there would be nothing that would detract them from the fullness of Christ. He wants them to be consumed with Christ and to have a keen awareness of his presence in their lives. This petition, of course, looks ahead to that time when we will be like him, the Bible says, for we shall see him as he is. And in one sense, this presence of Jesus has already been completed. We stand complete in Christ by virtue of his completed work. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So we are being filled. We look to that moment when we will be just like him and we will experience the complete filling of of his likeness, his glory, his presence. But in the interim, what is to be our standard for measurement? Are we to measure ourselves with other Christians? Are 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 we to compare ourselves to one another? No, no. 
the, the unit for measurement is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look at chapter 4 and verse 13 of Ephesians. He says, until we all build the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, we can compare ourselves to others. We, we can look pretty good. Oh, man, I, I, I'm, man, compared to, you know, sister so-and-so or brother Joe over here, man, I'm, I'm pretty good. But that's not our standard. Other believers are not our standard. Our standard is the full measure of the riches and the fullness of Christ. We are to be consumed with Him. That is what replaces emptiness. The fullness of Jesus. And as Paul wraps this up, I mean, he is just so full of gratitude and thanksgiving for all that... Christ is done. I mean, he's overwhelmed. He's really overwhelmed with Jesus. And he concludes by breaking forth into a great doxology. Notice verse 20 and 21. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power there it is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wow. You see, when we are praying this kind of a prayer, we will be people of praise. We will be just offering a sacrifice of praise to God every single day. Now notice, in this doxology, First of all, he acknowledges God's person. Notice verse 20. Now to him, verse 21, to him be glory. It's all about the living God. Number two, he affirms God's power. He speaks of God in superlatives. Look at this. He said, now to him who is able. He's not only able, but he's able to do. He's not only able to do, he's able to do far more. He's not done. He wants to do far more abundantly. He's not done. He wants to do all that we ask or think. Did you understand this? <laughs> God wants to do so much for us. He just desires a connection. He wants to do immeasurably beyond anything we could ask or think. Notice, not according to our human effort, but according to the power at work within us. And then he ascribes God's praise. He says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. This is the legacy we need to give to our kids and our grandkids. This is a prayer legacy. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly far more than we could ever ask or think not according to what we can come up with, but according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus and according to his love that we can't even grasp a hold of. I don't know about you, but man, that caused me to shout hallelujah. There you go. Praise Jesus. I think what he is saying is simply this. We as God's people cannot afford a spiritual blackout.
in our lives. Remember the Apollo Moon program? When that command module was circulating around the moon, the astronaut was down on the moon's surface. Mission control was here on Earth. But as they were circling the moon, there was a 30-minute period where there was a total blackout. No communication. Couldn't communicate with the astronauts circling, couldn't communicate to the moon or to mission control. And those 30 or 40 minutes were some of the most strenuous and arduous minutes the space program ever experienced because the contact was not there. My friends, we cannot afford a spiritual blackout. We need to be so in love with Jesus and praying this prayer on a regular basis to be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. To capture this incredible love that is so deep the oceans, you can't drain the oceans dry of the love of God. He gives us this incredible perspective. He gives us the privilege of seeing things from God's point of view and he takes our emptiness and he fills it with himself. Let me tell you, there's nothing greater in all the world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm overwhelmed. I can't even begin to to fully grasp what we've just been trying to get across in our human weakness to your wonderful people. But Lord, help us to understand the power of connecting with you. Help us to understand how great and awesome you are and never ever to forget all that you have done for us that will be people that will live life on our knees in total dependence upon you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.